0: Welcome to today's podcast. Our theme for this year's Lenten season is My Story, helping us all to become more aware of the ways our personal faith stories intersect with God's story and scripture. Throughout the season, we are introducing you to members of our First Church family and asking them to tell us a little bit about their stories. My name is Eric Lindborg, and I'm an active member and also serve in the First Church Media and Communications Committee. Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to Jim and Debbie Manuel, And I'm looking forward to this conversation and hearing their stories. Jim and Debbie, welcome to the podcast. First, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a member, and the ways that you're both connected and involved at First Church Orlando.
1: Well, I started in this church at about four years old. Uh, My father was raised in Orlando and uh, came back after World War II, and uh, we lived uh, as a Tiny child, I have memories of living at the University of Florida where he finished his degree and we came here at about uh, 51 when I was uh, four. And uh, been in this church all the time except for uh, college or military service.
0: Wow, incredible. Since four years old, that's awesome. Debbie?
2: Well, I went to uh, Goss Memorial. United Methodist, which is down the road from First Church. But we always knew the best um, MYF, which was the Methodist Youth Fellowship, Mm. was at First Church. So we made sure that we were at the parties and the get togethers with all the kids at First Church. And um, then I met Jim and we got engaged and I joined First Church in 1971. And we were married in the church in 1972 when Jim came home from um, Vietnam, from his military service. And we've both been there ever since, except when uh, we went away for a few years, Jim went back to law school in Tallahassee. She jumped
1: ahead a little bit there um, because we met, uh, Debbie was still in high school, I was in college.
2: And uh, we had
1: a whirlwind romance of five years. (laughs)
2: had to make
0: sure this was the right guy, you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think you, think you both picked winners. I sur- certainly think so. Me <laughs> yeah, too. Think
2: we do, too. 49 years later, yes. Oh, that's
0: amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. That's an inspiration. Thanks. So you guys are both really active in the church. What are some of the things that you do? Where are you plugged in? What sort of gives you spiritual energy at the church?
2: You know, this is kind of a time of stepping back. We have both been very involved in leadership, especially after retirement. I've been the chair of church council. I've been the chair of staff parish three times over my time at the church. Uh, Many committees, Jim's been the chair of the board of trustees, uh, really worked hard on getting a lot of things fixed at the church. And now he is on church council as the representative of um, campus ministries, because we're looking ahead to when we might connect with the downtown uh, UCF campus and the Wesley uh, people. And he's, Jim said, I'm talking for you, but he's, he um, has served a great deal with the entire Florida conference on their board of campus ministries, as well as the board of trustees where he is now. He's, he's gone back on that board. My um, service this year is with the Wesley Center. For the first time, I'm I'm serving on that committee. I just finished as lay delegate, which I've done several times for the church and I just finished on SPR. So you can see, you name a committee, we've probably um, been on it.
0: (laughs) That is so great. How how fortunate. Yeah. (laughs) What's that? Or kicked off of it. Oh, <laughs> that's okay too sometimes if it's for the right reasons. <laughs> so, Jim, you said you, you came to church at, at four years of age. So, tell, tell both of you if you could share a little bit about sort of your spiritual journey. Um, when did it begin and, and how?
1: Well, um, Sunday school, we had great teachers. Uh, And at about five years old, we had in my house a book called, Tell Me About God. And it was about a boy named Bobby. And we would have to have it read to us over and over and over. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that stuck.
0: You, you, you never know when a children's book is going to set the pathway for your life, do you?
1: Right.
0: <laughs> How about you, Debbie?
2: Well, my my path was a little different. My parents did not attend church, but they drove us to church mm. and dropped us off. And my first real memory of church and belonging was in junior high and had a wonderful Sunday school teacher, Arnold Howell, who was a... Uh, name many people who may listen to this will remember he was a a local um, CPA, was in a firm with um, Mr. Trumbauer, and um, he just really cared so much for us kids, And, and you just knew there was a solid presence in your life that was connected to church, and I think that that kept me connected, and even when I went away to FSU, I would go across the street once in a while to the, the campus ministry, the Methodist campus ministry. It just became, mm-hmm. this, is, this is stability in your life. People yeah. care about you, and it began there.
0: So, so you are, you're both lifelong Christians. You essentially met in the church or married in the church and have served for 40-plus years together in the church. Um, surely through that, there's been, many trials, we all face them, but are there times that you can look back where maybe your faith was tested, um, either one of you, and if if and when it was tested, um, how did First Church help you through that?
1: Uh, I guess I would say uh, family uh, illness or death was a time that uh, particularly our new class, Sunday school uh, partners, uh, really rallied around and, uh, stepped up for us and it's quite a
0: a bonding experience. It's awesome.
2: I think one of my moments of knowing how important the church was, was a low point in my career with the school system. And in such a low point that I considered, maybe I should go to a different County because it just wasn't working well. And and it hit me that why would I do that? I would have to leave my church community. I I wouldn't have to, but what's important to me and it was community and you can work through this. And it all all worked out. I didn't have to really do much. it's just interesting when you look at things in retrospect mm-hmm. if you decide you can handle something there is that power that says yes you can and i'm here i talked to god a lot during that time mm. and It just all worked out but the church was the core saying wait a minute i don't need to leave because this is here Ah, uh, what
0: an what an anchor figurative I, anchor
1: i have sort of follow up on that please uh, I would uh, say a prayer in the middle of work or uh, uh, working on a project. Uh, I can particularly remember a couple of murder trials. I was a prosecutor for three years. And I always felt the hand of God in uh, the big trials there. The biggest you can get pretty much, you might say, is murder. Yeah. Uh, And I would... uh,
0: I would feel like there was some guidance. That's inc- that, that that that's um. It's incredible how God in those situations can 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 shape not just your your actions and your words, but your entire being and get you through those difficult times. Well, speaking of God, um. You know, you told me about the book that you read when you were a boy, Tell Me About God. Um, and Debbie, you said you spent a lot of time talking uh, to God, you know, through those times in your profession. So how would you both describe God?
1: Uh, I think he's in. A, he lives in our minds and uh, he influences... Uh, uh, The world and uh, is always there.
0: Always there. Love that. Debbie?
2: You know, you come up with this idea of this paternalistic person that you're going to um, go to. And and Jim referenced him as he, God is he. Mm -hmm. And as I read different books about spirituality, sometimes... Run across that it's the spirit, and where does that spirit reside, Mm. rather than trying to give it a form of a a human form. Mm -hmm. But it's okay because either way, when you start in your mind, or sometimes I'll talk out loud and say, "Okay, this is what I've got to talk through right now." It doesn't matter if it's a he, a she, or a spirit. Mm. It is this presence beyond yourself that I think holds me accountable to what my action will be. I don't I don't believe in talking to God as somebody who's gonna intervene and fix things. Just give me the strength to yes. handle it. And there's there's sometimes I can hear something in my head, as Jim said, your mind. It makes me laugh and say, I bet you're laughing at me right now, God, because you just got me. <laughs> and you feel this feeling you shouldn't feel towards somebody. And I, yes. I just say, oh, you're right. I did it again. And then I just laugh because you, it helps you to understand you are never going to be perfect. That's right. But God helps you keep questioning yourself and keep trying to improve
0: that best friend that is always there with you reminding you softly right or wrong um, along the way, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be asking questions, not sharing, but one of the things I love about our church um, is it's uh, I describe it sometimes as a church of intellectuals. And, um, you know, when I was growing up in, in church, you were, you're a young Christian and learning, you're never quite sure what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. And the way you both just answered that question, I think is, you know, it's a reflection of our church because you can speak from the heart and, you know, whether we're talking about gender or a feeling or an emotion, whatever it is, um, we're free to do that. And, um, I think I'm not, I'm not active in the new class. I've enjoyed participating in new class a few times, but that to me seems to be the arena in our church where you can bring any and all these ideas and talk through them as intellectuals in a safe place. Um, So rather than me trying to do a bad job of describing the new class, could you guys uh, maybe spend a little time talking about the new class and um, how it's shaped you as Christians?
1: Well, uh, some of the things that we were been, have been doing for, oh, well, quite a while, for, from the start. It started in something like uh,
2: 40, uh, 71, was it? When it was formed? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's before, maybe yeah.
2: Before
1: that. But. Anyway, well, we're going for our 50th anniversary right now. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 71. And we were doing things that uh, later on caught on they were considered radical. And then, and uh, uh, I never in the world, my parents were founding members of that. And then I was off in college and off in the military and back and got married. And uh, I never would have predicted I would possibly go to Sunday school with my parents. And I didn't sit by them. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that shows a continuum uh, of uh, thought, And in my uh, uh, full adulthood, uh, we were starting doing things that were not, were considered radical still, and uh, now they're catching on. The one that comes to my mind right now is the reconciling ministries, Mm -hmm. and uh, the new class uh, became a reconciling ministry on its own. And now, of course, we've got a movement going for the whole church to possibly Uh, uh, go that way. And if they don't right now, they will in another 10 years.
2: Really, the, the new class kind of shows you what John Wesley was saying, that you can all have, I guess we'll call it beliefs, different beliefs. There isn't just one way you must believe, but it's how those beliefs come together in showing love to each other and to those who need love from you and helping in the community, which is what our church, the outreach and the service as part of Methodism, social justice and so on. Mm -hmm. And the new class um, bringing in people because of our openness and willingness to question like John Richard, who then is absolutely a legacy in the church of the historical Jesus classes he taught for 25 years. And I think um, because of John Richard and our openness to allowing him to teach every single minister that came through, supported John, it brought many people to our church um, and some who may or may not be in the new class. People came from outside our church to learn what John was telling us about and introducing different theologians. And that openness has uh, built relationships that people felt safe Mm. could ask could say just about anything and um, I think that along with like any small group if you're in a Sunday school class or any type of uh, committee that gets close Mm -hmm. it, it just supports each other
0: yeah Fantastic. I, I certainly hope that we get a chance to interview John. I can't imagine that he's not already signed up. So if not, I'm yeah. going to go seek him out. Yes, <laughs> Fascinating man. So we're, we're entering the Lenten season and um, uh, my wife, Shannon, was raised a, a good Catholic. So, of course, she she has guilt, but always gives something up. Um, I'm not going to give something up, but a uh, two-part question. Are you all going to give anything up for Lent? And then the real question is what are some of the spiritual practices that you both participate in that, that make you bring you closer to God? What are some of those disciplines that help you?
2: Well, I I came across a different way to look at Lent in the last few years. And that is that you add something to your life.
0: I like that.
2: Not take something away. And um, so I, I, I like that too, because I've, you know, giving up chocolate or something just never seemed to me to be what that was about. And I'm sure it's much deeper than that in in the the faiths that follow that religiously. So that's one thing, what do you?
1: Well, there could be some things that
0: are very good to give up.
2: Yeah.
0: Life beating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is very good to give up. I, I agree, violent agreement. Okay, well, now we've broken the ice. What are, what are some of the things that, that you all um, do repeatedly to bring you closer to Christ?
2: Well, one thing we started early in our marriage is about stewardship, Tom. It was the first thing in my memory where Jim and I would come together and sit down and talk about what the church meant to us and how much our tithe would be. And it was always a tithe. And Jim has a great story that I love about how he was raised if he got 25 cents for his allowance.
1: You'd have to be in high school to get that much (laughs) in my house.
2: (laughs) His his dad taught them the value right up front that out of that 25 cents, what was it? A dime went to the church and another dime went into savings. And then he had a nickel for discretionary spending or something like that. And uh, so that became our uh, beginning of how we would talk together. But now, and we've done this for years, before we have dinner. That's our time when the day's calm. Even in retirement, you have crazy days, and you mm-hmm. might not even be together. But we always pray before we eat. We have the blessing, of course. But then we add to that together. And he he does it mostly, and then he'll say your turn.
1: Mm. And then
2: I'll add, and um, I th- we think through like Vance asked us to pray a couple of weeks ago for our church and just before the inauguration you know, for our country. And that sticks with us. But um, we also always say that let's always remember that we are to be mindful of others' needs and what mm. does God want us to do for others.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's it's I've fun. Tried
2: the, the morning devotional, and I, I have to laugh because today I listened to um, Emily do her midday devotion, and she said, "I am not a morning person." You'll never hear me say, "You should get up <laughs> early and do morning devotionals," <laughs> which was great to hear. You know, it's okay. I, I, yeah, I've tried that, and when we get the journals from church, like we're going to get one for Lent, yep. I really like those, and I, I am faithful to going through those, but I can't say that I. Continue that that morning, or even a regular devotional every day. It just, it kind of depends on seasons and yep. what you need yourself. I would always like to sign up for Bible studies because I like to hear how people interpret and what they say. And so mm-hmm. I take Vance's because he's a different pastor, and you just yes. learn about your pastors too when you do
0: that. So. Wonderful teacher, Vance's. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, you all have come closer together as a couple um, in Christ through your faithful giving and your tithing and discussing that. And um, I, what strikes me is that very conversation in a lot of homes creates discord and anger. Um, you know, I'll share. It. I, I grew up in a home where there was fights every year around pledge season because, you know, one of my parents felt one way and the other didn't. So I think it's just a testament to you all, um, as Christians and the, the marriage that you've built, that that is actually at the center, um, of where you're at. Um, and the other thing that struck me, you guys are like my, my marriage heroes. Um, you pray together every day. Sh- Shannon and I were doing a, a devotional and it was for couples. And it, as many of them do talked about, we should find more time to, to pray together. And we always pray at dinner and um, pray before we go to bed. But if I'm going to be honest, it's never very comfortable um, for me. It's gotten more comfortable, but it's, it's difficult. So anyhow, I think that's um, the, the fact that you, you, you mentioned both of those as being sort of center to who you are as a couple is huge. Yeah.
1: Uh, It occurs to me that uh, I heard Emily Ann Zimmerman many years ago when speaking of tithing, and she said, that's a minimum. Mm. That's the goal, that's the threshold, (laughs) and we've tried to keep that in mind too.
2: but, you know, praying out loud is not a thing we're we're easy. We can easily do. If I'm on a committee, who wants to say the prayer? I'm like, mm, don't, you know, don't look at me. But it it's helpful to to do it to get used to and comfortable sharing what you feel out loud, even if it's a committee and you don't know everybody mm-hmm. there. So I try to step up and do that just just so that yeah. I can build the. That connection with God out loud in front of others, as well as just
0: between me and Jim. It's not easy. It's not. And it's a spiritual muscle. It's funny. I spent, um, Shannon and I have been now at First Church for the past four years, but before that, we're at a different church and it was a praying church. We prayed before, during, after everything. And so you just get good at it. And I remember, <laughs> you know, actually it was the communication committee meeting, opening the meeting in prayer. and someone saying wow that was a really good prayer i'm like well i just got a lot of practice you know so it's uh
2: yeah you're right it is practice a lot of times but that's great that you can do that comfortably
0: well it's it's maybe not what it was but anyway the point is like every spiritual discipline you just get more comfortable and, and stronger in it um well you guys are my my um sort of my marriage heroes, so uh, a a final question for you, Um, who are some of your spiritual heroes?
1: Well, let's see. We had uh, quite a few uh, pastors in my time, uh, and uh, many of them, uh, well, all of them quite fine, but uh, I think probably the one that stands out the most for me was Gene Zimmerman. Uh, also uh, Bob Blackburn who married us uh, and uh, some other people I'm thinking of, but a a non-pastor was uh, John Richard. Mm -hmm. And he is absolutely responsible for me being able to uh, not sort of lie to myself a little bit Mm -hmm. or believe stuff I don't believe. And, uh, to feel very comfortable with my religion. Mm. And,
2: um, Plus, he's and, no, such I'm a thinking. role model of oh. love and caring towards others. Yes. You he never hear a, a negative word from John. He, his acceptance of, of life and people is something to try to
1: emulate. I thought of uh, going back to an earlier question, uh, talking to God, um, when I was in the Army, I was an engineer officer, and I had a combat engineer platoon in the field in Vietnam. And every, I mean, you got a lot of training, but you you don't know anything. <laughs> you just have, do the best you can. you got something coming up right now, you got to decide. And I would just say, okay, God, you and me. Mm. Here we go. And then I'd go. And you'd go. And, and uh, <laughs> It gave me great strength. Strength. Mm.
2: If I think of all the uh, theologians that we've studied, and, and a lot came to us through um, historical Jesus class, Marcus Borg is one. We've heard him uh, speak, and spent like solid weekends. We would go away up to um, Georgia to the um, what was called the January Adventure, and they would bring in well-known uh, theologians, and he he was so real and easy to hear. And one of his seminal books, which of course the title has left my mind completely, but it's Christianity's in the name. Anyway, I can remember um, Gene Zimmerman saying, when someone who's not really been a churchgoer or um, a spiritual person comes close to the end of their life and they start to get a little worried, mm. He asks them to read that book, and then they will talk. Mm. I think it's the heart of Christianity. It just came to me. And um, I've given away a copy or two, and I thought I had one, because I don't ever want to be without a copy. Anyway, I've got to find mine, and I try to reread it every once in a while.
0: It's awesome. You know, as, um, as we've been through this very strange period, um, in all of our lives, um, some of our church family have, have drifted, some have stayed uh, close like you. For those, for those out there who may listen to this and, and are feeling lonely or disconnected um, through this experience, what advice could you give to them um, to help them feel fulfilled through this trying time?
1: Boy, that's a tough one, so I'm going to give it to Debbie.
2: <laughs> well, the first thing that jumps to my mind is they should hopefully try to find someone who might need them. Mm-hmm. Can they call a neighbor who they haven't talked to for a while instead of wondering why, and I don't know, if, when, you're, when you're lonely, there are many reasons, and when you can't go to church, and pass through the lobby and get coffee and watch everybody's children grow up. Um, I just think it helps to say, look, I don't have it as bad as some people do. And what can I do? Can I take cookies next door or just go walking around the lake and wave at people and make eye contact? It's really hard when you're wearing a mask to connect with people. It's just amazing to me how the whole face disappears. True. You know uh,
1: no, that might be too simple an answer, but not at no, all. I'll it even simpler, <laughs> you make a real effort to look people in the eye <laughs> and to say hi and do something cheerful. Uh, make a joke uh, even with strangers, and uh, uh, just give them something a little different. And sometimes you'll see somebody that's down, and you perk them up. So it's Ooh. worth a try.
0: I love that. And it doesn't cost anything to do that, does it? Mm. Well, you guys have been so great to share. Um, Thank you for the time and thank you for being an inspiration to me and and many of us. And thank you for your long service to the church.
1: Well, I must say you have a very good voice and uh, speaking manner and you should have uh, gone on the radio And that reminds me, I feel like I was on an NPR uh, interview, so be sure and buy our book when it comes out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's not on the bookshelf behind you. Oh, yeah, this is a podcast.
2: (laughs) Uh, And I just have to add for those listening, since I was Eric's fifth grade teacher, don't you think he turned out well?
0: (laughs) It was, it was it was that fifth grade teacher that got me on the path <laughs> and a lot of friends yes. uh, well thank you guys
2: thank you eric we, we were glad to have done this Good night.
0: we hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future if you enjoyed today's message we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you.